Good morning, everybody. Awesome to see you. Uh, so I got, a, I got a, an app on my phone this week. Uh, and there's a lot of apps like this, um, you know, apps to help you make, uh, make you look more attractive. And this app, was, uh, what's special about it is just it's one button. There's only one button, and it does all the things that you want it to do for you to make you look like you're more attractive. And I said, why not? Why, why shouldn't I get it and just try it out on a picture of my dad? So um, here's a picture of me and my dad right here. And uh, I tried it on my dad, and uh, it, it did this. I don't know if you can tell too much what it did. It actually um, shrank his head. It squished his head in, smoothed out the contours of his skin, did some wrinkle work, enlarged his eyes, shrank his nose, whitened his teeth and his beard, and gave him a little bit more hair. And so I said, all right, it's just one button. Might as well try it on myself. So I tried it on me, and it did this. Um, that was a little depressing, but, uh, but it's getting harder and harder in, in our day and age to, to feel attractive. The standard, I mean, we all know this, uh, but the standard for attractiveness is unrealistic, unrealistically high, and it's become unrealistically high because people have realized they can make money off of making the standard unrealistically high. That's why that pe people know that when you put a attractive face, an attractive body next to a product, regardless of what the product is, whether it's lawnmowers or anything, if you have the right person next to it, you're going to sell more products. That's why they have uh, marketing teams have teams of people designed to make someone look as attractive as possible. It requires a, a director, and it requires a, someone who's uh, experienced in photography, an expert in photography, an expert in makeup, an expert in hair, an expert in lighting. And then after all of this stuff uh, comes together and all of the personal assistants help making this happen, then it takes someone who's an expert in Photoshop to take a normal-looking person and make them... Uh, achieve a look that is beyond what you can do with simple lighting and, and photography. It makes an unrealistic standard of beauty, and because we swim in a world full of these sorts of images, it starts to sink in without us really realizing it and becomes our own understanding of what beautiful is supposed to look like, even though what attractive, what we think look like, what it looks like because of the magazines and because of the movies and stuff we see, it's completely unattainable. So it's, it's super hard for a lot of people these days to feel attractive, and that's why there's a whole lot of people, or that, that's why, you know, social media apps provide filters for your faces to smooth out your skin and whiten your teeth, and that's why, you know, it's horrifying when the front-facing camera on your phone turns on on accident when you weren't expecting it, and you see yourself, and you haven't taken a shower in three days, and that's probably just me, but uh, you guys probably smell great. Um, so... It's, it's just become a lot harder to feel uh, attractive. There's a, a professional runway model who's done a lot of photography uh, modeling as well and been on a lot of uh, big name, been a lot next to a lot of big name brands uh, named Cameron Russell. And she did a TED Talk. And in her TED Talk, she talked about how um, the pictures of her that they use aren't actually pictures of her, they are constructions put together by a team. Um, Chris Evans, who played Captain America in the Marvel movies, he, um, he said that getting the body to be able to play Captain America was a miserable experience. It was this grueling workout schedule. He had to 
constantly be eating way too much rice and chicken, and so he felt uncomfortably full. And when they filmed the scene where he was injected with super soldier serum and he comes out of this container looking ridiculously ripped, it took them several days for them to, to film this one part. And every time they took a break, he had to go out and work out more so that blood was pumping through his muscles. And at the end of this whole thing, at the end of that, that, the time it took to film just that scene, he slept for three days because it was that exhausting. And it's like, if that's what it takes, if it takes a whole team, if it takes being ridiculously exhausted, if you can only be that level of attractive for just a few moments before it goes away and you have to work out again, how in the world am I ever going to feel attractive? How can I possibly compare to that standard of beauty? Now, looking a certain way that, uh, you know, by Hollywood standards would be considered unattractive, uh, maybe very unattractive, that's actually not enough to make you feel bad about the way you look. It's not enough to make you feel bad about the way you look. It's not enough to influence your actions into uh, doing something about the way that you look. It's actually our thoughts, our thoughts about the way that we look and what our worth is based on that determines how we feel. For example, if you are what, you know, by Hollywood standards, many people would consider unattractive. If you think that you're extremely attractive, you won't feel ugly. You won't feel gross. You won't dislike yourself. You won't go to great lengths to try and change that. It's because of our beliefs about how we appear and the beliefs we have about appearance that cause us to feel very negatively. And, and People have different beliefs about, about worth that cause them to feel horrible. Maybe you've had some of these beliefs I'm going to talk about before. Uh, maybe you know somebody else who has, but people um, might think things like, how much I am worth is based on my looks, or um, people will not love me and accept me uh, if they think that I'm unattractive. Nobody thinks I'm attractive. I should make myself beautiful even if it's a miserable process. I am inferior to those who are more attractive than me. I can't be happy unless I'm beautiful. And these sorts of thoughts, you know, usually people don't say them out loud, but they kind of exist. They're beliefs that exist sort of below the surface that influence our emotions and influence our actions. So it's not actually the way that we look that determines how we feel. It's our beliefs about it. And here's some more evidence of that. Uh, Cameron Russell, who I was talking about, this model, uh, she, in her TED Talk, she said this. She said, I am insecure, and I am insecure because I have to think about what I look like every day. And if you're ever wondering if I have, if you're ever wondering if I have thinner thighs and shinier hair, will I be happier? You just need to meet a group of models because they have the thinnest thighs and the shiniest hair and the coolest clothes, and they're the most physically insecure women probably on the planet. Why, if they look so incredible, so desirable, if they can sell products, do they feel so physically immature, uh, insecure? Because of the beliefs they have, like beliefs like these ones that I showed here before. Now, in what ways, what specific ways do these beliefs affect our feelings and our actions? How, how do our negative beliefs about our appearance, how do those affect our actions and our feelings? Well, um, probably one that's really clear is it can really 
influence your, your eating habits or your dieting habits. There was a study done in 2003 that was published in the Journal of Adolescent Health that showed that girls who read Glamour magazine, specifically articles about weight loss, we are, were six times more likely to participate in uh, extremely unhealthy uh, dieting methods like taking dieting pills, laxatives, and vomiting. And of course, it can make people feel very dissatisfied. It can give you the emotion of dissatisfaction in the way that you look. A sample or a study that was done in, uh, that was published in the Journal of Men's Health, not Men's Health, the magazine, a little more scientific than that, the Journal of Men's Health showed that a sample group of students from a French university, that among them, 85% of them were dissatisfied with their muscularity. Um, it can cause you to spend a lot of money. The uh, amount of money that's spent on cosmetics in America every year is $49.2 billion. The average American spends between $244 and $313 on cosmetics every uh, month. And as well as, uh, it's, it's also true that 24% of money spent on cosmetics worldwide happens in just North America. So, Putting focus on, on beauty standards that are unattainable uh, influence our thoughts, and our thoughts can cause us to feel real poorly, can cause us to make really uh, bad decisions, can spend our money unwisely. It can make you even uh, feel hopeless, like I'm, I'm never going to find someone to love me because of the way that I look, or someone's going to leave me because of the way that I look, or um, feel afraid that uh, people will reject you and won't want to be around you and won't want to talk to you because of your appearance. Um, it can make you reject other people's compliments. It can be a sort of confirmation bias. So if somebody else tells you, compliments your looks, you immediately say, you know, they don't really understand what attractive really is, or, you know, they were, they were just being nice. They didn't actually mean that. Um, our thoughts influence our feelings and our actions, and our thoughts about our beliefs influence our feelings and our actions as well. But here's the thing. Our thoughts, our beliefs, they aren't always accurate. We're not always right. I mean, you've experienced this before. You've changed your mind before. You, you're not always right, and you're not always right about your beliefs, about your appearance, or conclusions that are drawn about that. But there's good news. There's really good news. There is someone who's right about everything, and there's even better news than that, that person loves you very, very much. He's a guy by the name of God. I don't know if you've heard him before, but he cares about you, and he's always right, and it's important to know what he knows, because if you know something different than what he knows, it turns out you're actually wrong. So it's important for us to understand what God has to say about our appearance, about our bodies, and about our worth in order to combat the thoughts that we may have about those things that may in fact be completely false. So I want to take a look at uh, what God has revealed to us through Scripture about these matters. And we're going to start by looking at a verse in the book of Psalms. Now Psalms is a book in the Bible. It's just a collection of songs written mostly about God. Sometimes it's talking about how great God is. Sometimes it talks about what God does. Sometimes there's just prayers of like frustration and, and anger that people are pouring out to God. It's a poetic, emotional, uh, artistic uh, book of the Bible. And the psalmist who writes this psalm that we're going to look at 
uh, talks about what we're talking about today, or something that's really important to what we're talking about today. He says, you, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Listen, that means God made you. Not just anyone made you, God made you. God designed you. And God is a good God, and he is a perfect God, and he is a loving God, and God does not make mistakes, and God does not make garbage. And so if you think that you're a mistake, if you think you are uh, garbage, it turns out you're actually wrong because God is right, and he created you, and he does not create junk. You are not trash. He created all the delicate inner parts of your body. Now, um, the, the word in Hebrew, this was written in Hebrew originally, and the word for delicate inner parts of my body is actually kidney or kidneys. Now that's strange. We don't usually associate kidneys with attractiveness, right? You don't hear somebody like standing on a corner like, check out the kidneys on that one over there. Like to get my hands on a pair of those kidneys. It got really awkward really fast. I apologize. Um, that it's just not, you know, how we think about it today. But for the ancient Israelites, the, the kidneys were a place of—they uh, were the, the core of one's emotions and one's um, uh, moral character. The, the core of one's emotions and, emo, uh, emotions and moral character. And it would be, I think, a, a much greater world if somehow we— put more emphasis on people's kidneys, what's inside of them, rather than on the outward appearance. You know, when we say the word attractive, usually the first thing that comes to mind is someone's, uh, if you say that person's attractive, you usually think they're talking about the way that they look, not about their inner character. But the truth is that inner character is, in fact, very attractive. And in fact, if we placed more emphasis on that, if we as Christians, if, if Christians alone would start to focus more and spend, spend the same amount of effort and time and energy and resources on developing the inner character rather than just the outer character, we would have marriages that would be much stronger, and we would have lives that would be much more appealing and attractive to people who aren't following Jesus. So, our, our kidneys, if, if those were more attractive, listen, we would be in much, much better shape. That's where true attractiveness comes from. Let me tell you what's really attractive. Let me tell you what an attractive woman and a man is. An attractive woman is one who is completely devoted to God, who is devoted to learning to live the way he has taught to being caring, to being encouraging, to being uh, devoted to learning to love others the way God has loved her. De developing the ability to love so that if she's not married, one day when she meets the person she's married, she will be ready to love that person more. Or when she is married, she is learning every day to love her husband the way that God loves her. And for men, what an attractive man is, is a man who trusts God, who trusts that what God says is right, who trusts that what God says about the way we should live is right, and is willing to follow what God says is the right way to live, no matter what it costs, even when it costs something, even when it hurts, even when it means hurting his reputation, and is willing to love his wife or his future wife and develop the skills to love her future wife the way Jesus loved the church by laying his life down for her. Those people, they got some hot kidneys, all right? That is the delicate inner parts 
of your body. But God created you. He made you. You are not trash. That The uh, psalmist continues. He says, uh, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your, workshop, or your workmanship is wonderful. How well I know it. Now, um, I love what the psalmist does here. Because it can be so easy for us to get frustrated and angry at God or downcast because of the things about our bodies that we do not like. But he focuses on the fact that God made us wonderfully complex. That's like a ridiculous understatement to say that we are one, uh, wonderfully complex. You have 37 trillion cells in your body. In each one of those cells, there is a DNA code that is 3.2 billion letters long. If you uncoiled all of the DNA in your body, it would stretch all the way to Pluto and back. That's just your body. And this isn't just a bunch of random uh, letters. This is a specific advanced code that tells other little biological machines in your body to build proteins and take care of you and do all of this stuff to make you alive that you don't have to you don't have to do anything to make that happen. It does it all on its own. You're doing nothing to keep yourself alive. Your body is doing all the work without you ever even have to think about it. I mean, so often when I get sick, I get angry at God and say, why, why do you have to let me go through this pain? But rarely do I ever, uh, and I, I'm hoping I'm not the only one because I feel a little bit vulnerable now saying this, but rarely do I ever say, God, thank you for all the times my cells kicked the butt of the bacteria that came in and tried to make me sick, and I did absolutely nothing. I was sitting there watching Netflix while the body that you designed that's wonderfully com complex defended me against something I didn't even know was there. Your body is incredibly complex. You have 45 miles of nerves going throughout your body that allows you to enjoy the comfort of a warm uh, hot tub, that allows you to enjoy a massage, and that keeps you safe from danger. We get angry at God about pain sometimes, but there's people who have disorders where they have no pain, and pain, without pain, they are not motivated to address wounds or cuts in their body. Sometimes they don't even see them, and they get left unattended, and they, uh, they get infected, and they have to get amputated. Sometimes they do see something that's wrong, but because there's no pain, they are not motivated to do anything, and they, it ends up getting infected and amputated anyways. God blessed you by giving you nerves in your body. He made you wonderfully complex. He gave you 60,000 miles of blood vessels that go through all throughout your body to provide oxygen all over the place so that your body can function. Except one of the few places there are no blood vessels is the, the corneas of your eyes, the glassy part that protects them. They, if you had blood vessels going there, you couldn't see clearly because you'd be seeing through blood. But there is no blood there, and yet the cornea is able to absorb oxygen from the air through your tear fluid. You are incredibly and wonderfully complex. It is marvelous the way God created you. Your stomach acid is so strong it can melt razor blades. Your stomach actually has to recreate its lining every four to five days because otherwise your stomach would digest itself. It's that powerful what is inside of you. Your body is incredible without you even trying. God made your body wonderfully Complex, And that is something we should be remembering and thanking him for because it is such an incredible 
gift, and it's just always there, so we forget about how wonderful it truly is. Now, it's awesome to know this. It's awesome to be grateful for the body, but it doesn't quite address those painful thoughts we're dealing with about our appearance and about our worth. So I want to look at something that Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about in his letter he wrote to a group of Jesus followers called the Ephesians back in the first century. We have this letter in the New Testament of the Bible. It's called Ephesians, and I'm going to start a little ways earlier than uh, uh, the point that he's going to make that's really important for us to grasp, just so we get some context. So he's writing to these Ephesians, and he's talking to them, and he tells them, hey, look, uh, we were all sinners. You were sinners— uh, I was a sinner. Uh, we, were, um, we were sinning all the time. And um, we were just living for our own selfish desires, to satisfy our own selfish desires. Uh, it wasn't important to us. If it hurt other people, it wasn't important how it affected God. We just wanted to satisfy those evil desires inside us. And because of that, there was God, because he's just, would have to punish us. Because it's unjust to not punish it's when, when something is wrong. It's unjust for there not to be a fine paid when there is a fine to be paid. There's, it's unjust for a debt to go unpaid. And, and Paul jumps in here and says, but God, rich in his mercy, seeing us, not wanting us to have to pay for that, rich in his mercy because of his compassionate heart, full of pity and love for us, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Jesus died, and when he died, he took the punishment for your sins if you will ask him to forgive you. And he's saying, God so rich in his mercy, so incredibly full of love for you. Jesus, who is God, gave his life. He died for you. If you want to know how much you're worth, you are worth dying for. You are life, worth the life of Christ. You are worth God's life. That's how much he loves you. He took the punishment for you so you can spend forever with him. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. God is just, but he's also loving. God saved you by his grace when you believed. <clears throat> and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. When you believe in Jesus, he wipes away the sin. And you don't have to work to earn God's love. It was there for you before you were born, before he knitted you together in your mother's womb. He loved you, and he was looking forward to creating you so that you could have a relationship with him and meet him. He wants to have a relationship with you. And there's not, nothing you can do to change that. There's nothing you can do. There's no works you can do. There's no goodness you can good yourself enough with to make him love you more. Because guess what? His love for you is at the maximum love level. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. And certainly, there's nothing you can do to your exterior to make you love him any less or more. Nothing that happens to the outside of your body that will make— there's nothing that can happen that will make him love you less or more. Certainly, nothing to do 
with your appearance. Now, here's the belief that we need to, to know to help us with this pain about our appearance. For we are God's masterpiece. We are his handiwork. We are his craftsmanship. We are his creative work. When Jesus forgives you, when God created you, he created you in his image. That means there is something inherently beautiful and valuable about you. But because of our sin, we cover that up with, with mud. We cover the masterpiece with mud. And when Jesus forgives you, he wipes it away and reveals the masterpiece that he created. He created you beautiful inside and out. And oftentimes, it may, the fact that you might not feel attractive is because there's, you might not feel like there's something real worthwhile on the inside, inside of it all. But what's going on on the outside has nothing to do with the masterpiece God created on the inside. You are his masterpiece. You are his work of art. 1 Samuel 16, 7, God said, The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. It's the inside that counts to God. Um, there's a man, a pastor in Oklahoma by the name of Craig Rochelle, and he, he works at a church called Life Church, and he told this story that stood out to me about this girl that he took care of, uh, he and his wife took care of for a little while, and she was, um, she had a hard, very hard young childhood. Uh, she was severely abused by her father and her father's friends. And, uh, and he said, no matter how bad you think it is, it's wor it was worse than that. And so she did not feel good about herself. Um, she had these beliefs about herself that she was ugly and dirty and disgusting. And she didn't feel like she was allowed to look uh, beautiful or attractive or, or do anything to change her appearance because of how ugly she was on the inside. And uh, so she, she her, her, her behavior you know, was very closed off she was very timid. She was very afraid to be around people, especially uh, around men, because of what had happened to her. And, um, and they, they worked with her for a while, and, and she started to open up and trust uh, Craig and his wife some more. And at a certain point uh, on a Sunday after church, Craig saw her and, and said, or, and thought, you know, she looks really, really particularly down today. So he went up to her, and he said, and, and the band can come back up now. Um, he said to her, um, is it okay if I touch your face? Because he wanted to be very respectful of her because uh, she had been, you know, she was afraid of being touched by anyone, and especially men. And she, she said, okay. So he moved her hair out of her face because she liked to hide her face. She didn't like to be seen. And he said, what I'm, what I'm going to say to you, I want you to hear it, not as if it's coming from me, but as if it was coming from God. And he said to her, you are beautiful. You are beautiful inside and out. You are being healed. You are being renewed. You are not what somebody else did to you. You are beautiful because God made you beautiful. 
And for a long time, they looked at each other. And she had this look in her eyes like, can, can I even dare to believe what you're saying is true? And he said it, it went on for a while like this. It was almost kind of uncomfortable until finally she just threw her arms around him and cried and cried and cried. And later on in her life, he got the sweetest note from her talking about how that day she experienced so much healing because of what he had to say. See, when, when she believed what was not true about herself, it made her sick. It ate her up inside. It damaged her emotionally. It changed her behavior and interactions with other people. But when she embraced the identity that she already had, when she believed what was true about herself, what God says is true, she found freedom and she found healing. Paul says, he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Jesus makes you new when he forgives your sin, when he wipes away the sin. He reveals the masterpiece he created. And when this girl saw she was God's masterpiece, she was freed to do the works God prepared for her to do in advance. God has prepared works for you to do, good things for you to do before you were ever alive. And he's excited to see you do those incredible things. Now, about these thoughts that we talked about at the beginning, maybe some of you who are here one or more of these really has been something you've struggled with in your life. Let me just, let's just do an, think about it this way. If, if there was someone that, that you are close to and really care about and really love, and they look about, the, they look the same level of attractiveness as you, they've been through the same things as you, and they came up to you, and they asked, is my worth based on my looks? What would you say to them? And if they asked you, will people love me and accept me if they think I'm unattractive? What would you say to them? If they said, nobody thinks I'm attractive, how would you respond to that? If they said, that I, they said, I need to make myself beautiful even if it's a miserable process, how would you respond? And if they said, am I inferior to those who are more attractive than me? Or if they said, I'll never be happy unless I'm beautiful, how would you respond to that person? This person who's been through the same stuff you've been, this person who looks about the same as you do, and this person who you love and care about, how would you respond to them? And if you would respond to them with love and compassion and truth, and it's what, what you say to them is true of them, and they're the same place in life as you, that means it's true of you as well. And if you wouldn't say those things to someone you love and care about because you know those are false, how much more would your Father in heaven treat you with love and compassion when you come to him with these thoughts? How much more would he want to replace those thoughts with the truth that you are his masterpiece? That's what he's saying today to you through his word. You 
are his masterpiece. Now maybe, you know, you never put your faith in Jesus and received that forgiveness. It's, he, he wants to clear the mud off. He wants the punit, he wants what he did on the cross to count for you. He wants to free you from sin and spend forever with you. And if you want to make that happen, all you got to do is just tell God that's what you want. Say, I want to follow you. I want forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back to life. You're in charge now. You can just pray a prayer like that in your heart. And if, and if you do pray that, we'd love to know. You can let us know on your connection card. But this, this final night before um, Jesus died, he asked his disciples to do something to remember what he did for us, what he did to clean the mud off the masterpiece. And, and, and it's something that we now do monthly uh, that we call communion. And we're going to sing a song right now that's going to remind us and, and help us think about how incredible what Jesus did for us is. And I'm going to come back out uh, about partway through and, and, and lead us in um, celebrating communion. So uh, the band can go ahead and lead us in that song.